0: Hi, this is Chaz, and you're listening to my good friend Bob Maine on the Handgun World podcast.
1: How can people be so blind?
0: Hi, folks. I'm Bob Maine. I carry a gun because I can't carry a cop. Welcome to another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. Introductory music by Ozark Revival at www.ozarkrevival.com. And welcome to episode 561 of a practical show by a practical guy and that is me. This week I am going to talk about what to practice with no ammo and I have a special guest that's going to be joining me, John Payne. He's going to come on the show here in just a minute or two and talk about how to practice with no ammo. Last week I talked about the am- the ammunition shortage and things like that and I spent a lot of time you know, discussing magazines and And all that, but what happens if you don't have much ammo or if you can't afford to buy much ammo, if not much ammo is in your budget right now? We're going to talk about that and answer some of those questions. This show is brought to you by Keepers Concealment. These guys are the leading authorities on appendix carry and the gear and the holsters that they make. It's absolutely the best that you can buy for appendix carry. Check them out. Keepersconcealment.com And also they are a CCW Safe affiliate. You need concealed carry legal protection. If you carry a gun, check out CCW Safe. It's in the show notes. Use the coupon code KC10OFF for a discount. KC10OFF. Now... I've been kind of short of ammunition lately. I don't know about you, but with the price of ammo, it's hard to fit into my budget. And for me, for me being short of ammo, it might be still more ammo than some people out there, but probably my, you know, my definition of being short is probably still lower than a lot of people. A lot of people think that 5,000 rounds is a short amount of ammunition. Whatever it is, whether you're a new shooter, whether you're an experienced shooter, maybe you enjoy competition sports like I do, maybe you like to do a lot of training like I do, it's easy to run out of ammunition. And even though I am still learning the art of reloading, and I'm working closely with a good buddy of mine to help him do reloads and and things like that, even reloading ammunition is expensive. John and I are going to talk about that coming up shortly. Now, I want to make you aware, John and I are going to have a good interview here that you're going to hear in just a couple of minutes. We did do a part two, so everybody who is a member of our Shooters Club or a member of my Patreon page, in about five or six days from the release date of this podcast Part two of this show will be available. Part two will be available before the next public episode comes out on the Handgun World podcast. So this is episode 561 before 562 comes out next weekend. For all of you who are members of the Shooters Club or my Patreon page, both of you will get part two of this episode. Please get signed up if you're not a member. It's only $8 a month to join the shooters club it's only 3 bucks a month to be a member of my patreon page shooters club members have more benefits than my patreon supporters but either one i very much thank you i really really do thank you for making this show possible and being generous so part 2 of this will be on one of those membership sites check it out before i bring john on the show Concealment Solutions is another sponsor. Concealment Solutions makes the best outside the waistband and inside the waistband holsters that I know of. They're not appendix carry specialists, but anything outside or inside the waistband uh, that you're going to carry on your side, check them out. The Cobra outside the waistband holster is one of my favorite I own several. I'm carrying my P365XL in a Cobra outside the waistband holster by Concealment Solutions right now. You get a 10% discount by using the coupon code HANDGUNWORLD. If you forget all this stuff, just check the show notes for episode 561. All the links will be there. All right, that's enough. Let's get right to the episode and the interview with John Payne. Well, my special guest on this episode is John Payne, a very frequent guest on the Handgun World podcast. John, welcome back. Thanks
1: for having me back, Bob.
0: Well, it's my pleasure. And, you know, I I have new listeners all the time. I track the numbers. So there are people that are brand new that maybe might not know too much about what you've been doing these days. Uh, we're going to talk about how to practice without much ammo and, or limited amounts of
1: ammo, but John, introduce yourself. Well, uh, as everyone knows at this point, my name is John Payne. I am former military. I am former law enforcement. And <laughs> uh, I'm currently a pawnbroker in southeast Texas.
0: That's great. You are ex-military and ex-law enforcement. That's good. Um, so how's the pawnbroker business going?
1: Um, it's either feast or famine, Bob. It, it, it has its moments where it's, it's going real well. It, it's been an interesting dynamic since uh, last year in, in this this pandemic situation. I have uh, faced uh, hurdles that the, the former owner had Never had to think about. I'm sure. Uh, it's, it, it's it's been uh, interesting to say the least. All kinds of hurdles that I, I never thought I would I would uh, have to cross, have to hurdle the hurdles. But uh, it uh, has definitely been a learning experience, and it has caused me to uh, to broaden my horizons.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of people in your business probably would say the same thing. There's been challenges for all of us recently.
1: Who would have ever dreamed that uh, the problem with having a shop that sells firearms is you can't keep product on the shelves?
0: Isn't that amazing? I I would have never thought that. And it's amazing how people can't keep, I mean, people in your business, you can't keep guns and you can't keep ammo on the shelf, can you?
1: No, it's, it's been a real challenge um and uh, you know, occasionally uh a distributor will throw us a bone here or there but uh it, it's it's been uh you know like i said it's been a challenge um what's really been interesting to me is is the ammunition i mean the ammunition it's out there you can get it but the the prices ha- have run the entire gambit uh it wasn't that long ago and, and you may have found some a similar price but uh training ammo in nine millimeter even steel cased ball ammo was selling for 50 or 60 dollars a box
0: and that's ridiculous you're right it was i've been seeing some slightly less than 50 cents around lately
1: uh 50 cents around right now for training Mm -hmm. ammo seems to be uh an average price you can find it for a little bit less um I was able to to mark down my last uh, inventory that came in uh, to where uh, I've, I've got a basic markup, a, a profit margin that I've got to make to stay in business, and uh, yeah, I, I was able to keep my profit margin and uh, keep and uh, reduce the price to the lowest it's been since last March. But I never thought I would see a day, uh, Bob, where I would go through approximately ten thousand rounds of training ammo, of ball ammo.
0: In three weeks. Wow. You I've got,
1: you've been to my store. I've got a little mom and pop shop in Southeast Texas, you know, here on the third coast. Um, 10,000 rounds of nine millimeter was enough to last me uh, in normal circumstances, as far as retail sales. And that would last me a year or more.
0: How fast did you go through it now?
1: Uh, I went through 10,000 rounds in three weeks. (laughs) <laughs> and then I couldn't replace it. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, you know, the nine millimeter uh five five six two twenty three um was was just you know you, you couldn't keep uh ammo on the shelves. I mean when you came to visit the one time I had a, a ammo shelf behind the counter with you know with buffalo bore and with gold dot and with hydro shots, I remember that. And all that jazz. And it just emptied. And then...
0: I remember that. You had a pretty good selection of guns, too.
1: I had it for a small shop. I had a very good selection. And and that, that has improved somewhat over the last couple of months. But uh, mm-hmm. any time that you get America's Rifle uh, in the store at, at a at a uh, reasonable price, it, it doesn't last. Um, and I know you've been preaching to... Uh, if that's the right word to use, you've been preaching to folks for years about having an AR-15 and be able to maintain it, having a Glock, yes. a Glock pistol and be able, be able to maintain it, having your magazines and, you know, everything that goes with it. And uh, it, it seems that uh, some people just, you know, gave lip service to that. And when they actually saw a need for it or uh, they were worried that, you know, the end is near, they scrambled, you know, pick me up. Whatever well,
0: that's, that's unfortunate. You know, people just don't prepare. You know, I've been, like you said, now 12 years. I started in 2009 talking about being prepared, talking about firearms, training, things like that. And you're right. A lot of people have paid lip service until, until just recently.
1: And, you know, God willing, we'll come out of some of this and, and, uh, and supply hopefully we will return to pre-pandemic conditions. But uh, some of us may have to prepare for it, never coming back to what it was. I think that's
0: true. It'll never come back to what it was, like, say, in 2019, for example. Is that what you're saying?
1: That's what I'm saying. I I remember being, being able to say, okay, well, I've got this class coming up on this date. I've got this class coming up. I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to order two cases of nine millimeter. Uh, whether it was, uh, you know, a federal, uh, uh, federal champion, what have you. Whether it was uh, spear lawman, whether it was PMC bronze, what have you. I mean, you were looking at what at that time, Bob? A 1.99 for a 1, thousand rounds.
0: That sounds about right. I mean,
1: we we used to sit there and look at. The labor output of reloading, as opposed to buying cases of ammo at the time, and it, it almost was not physically fiscally responsible to reload nine millimeter for what you could buy it for.
0: Yeah, that's about right. And uh, now,
1: now things have changed. Now things have changed. Now I've seen primers sell for you know five hundred dollars for a thousand rounds of prime or for a thousand primers. Wow. And I'm like, who in their right mind would spend that much money on primers? Of course, your powder, your your cases, your your projectiles, you know, the bullets are useless without a primer.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: but here, here recently I saw an advertisement for uh, for for new virgin brass nine millimeter for twenty cents a piece. Oh man, outrageous. And that was one of the lowest prices I've seen. But then I started thinking in my hicks I'm not real quick on math. You know, there's there's three kinds of people in this world: those that get math and those that don't. And um, <laughs> I, I I know it's funny, but, That's but a good you know, it's true. Because I did a po- I'm going to borrow that from. I you. I did a poll, <laughs> and five out of four people agreed with me.
0: Five out of four, yeah, I know. So, yeah, well then then you are you are a genius. Bro. I know,
1: right? So it just it boggled my mind that there there's retail sales of empty brass for what i used to pay for a winchester white box from say 1989 until 2019 yeah and i i remember you know 10 dollars for a box was 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 normal for your generic ball ammo And now you're spending $10.50 on just the brass.
0: I can remember the days of going to Academy Sports and Outdoors and buying their version of the steel case, 9mm, 115 grain, FMJ, and I think it was around $6.99 for a
1: box of 50 That sounds right. That sounds right.
0: No, you know what? It was actually CCI... It was the aluminum case, CCI, CCI ammo, CCI blazer. That's what it was. Yep. Yeah. $6 and 99 cents. And sometimes they would put it on sale for like six twenty
1: nine. Yes. were you the one that used to say when you'd go into academy to, to shop for whatever, mm-hmm. you would always go down the the sporting goods aisle and, and throw an extra Glock magazine in your cart.
0: I used to do that.
1: Yes, back when you could pick up a Glock 19 mag for twenty four ninety nine.
0: Uh, try nineteen ninety nine sometimes. I was close. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, is that the ammo. I mean, when it was down to six twenty nine, you know, why didn't I buy ten thousand rounds of that? <laughs> that that's, you know, that's my fault really. Uh, maybe even twenty thousand rounds would have been appropriate. And I know I would have said to myself, and you know, it's not in the budget right now, but. I wish it I wish I would have done it anyway at that
1: time. I I completely understand that, but you also get to the point to where say you've got ten thousand rounds of five, five, six that you put back for training or whatever else. When you get to the point to where you can't replace it, you're afraid to use it.
0: Yes, that's correct. And that's a lot of people find themselves in that situation. So that's a good lead in to our main topic. And I wanted to bring you on to talk about how to practice what to do when we don't have much ammo or we don't want to use much of what we have. What are your thoughts on that?
1: My thoughts are that, that your gun handling skills are much more important than marksmanship when it comes to self-defense. Okay, uh, good. That uh, marksmanship definitely has its place. Uh, but uh, at bad breath distances, as we've talked before and uh, in, in different things that, uh, that certain fundamentals can be sacrificed at those distances when you talk about saving your life and about you know putting hits on the bad guy and not getting shot yourself. Um, but you you can maintain a level of accuracy without expending a, a large amounts of, of live ammo.
0: And I want to ask you in a minute how we can do that. But I think what you're saying here is that Spending 100 rounds trying to figure out how to shoot a one-inch group at 10 yards might not be the best use of ammo at this point, right?
1: I wouldn't think that it would be the best use of ammo at this point.
0: Um, a lot of people do that, though. You know, they they go to the range, and, and they keep shooting and shooting and shooting until they get that tiny group size, and then they put their gun down, turn around and say, hey, look at me, take a picture of that. And they think that they're practicing self defense but they're not well, it, it.
1: it looks good to be able to shoot a tiny group at, at, at a decent distance yeah. it feels good you you have a, a sense of accomplishment when when you're able to, to you know replicate that tiny group at, at a certain distance um but other than that does it really do anything else for you
0: probably not. Um, so what should people be practicing during this ammo shortage what do you suggest
1: well i still believe they should shoot enough ammo through their chosen firearm to ensure it is a quality firearm and that it's reliable that's true um i i don't know if we're in the stage yet where we can we can go back to recommending the the you know 2000 round trigger job
0: yeah you know i started off by saying it calling it a thousand round trigger job and then when ammo was cheap I said two thousand round trigger job. Now we gotta rethink that, don't we?
1: I think what we do and, and also understand that um, that any part of a firearm it wears. And if, if you think that you can have the same firearm throughout you know your your life, whatever God determines that your lifespan's gonna be, and that you're gonna you know uh, shoot ten thousand rounds out of a firearm, no parts wear. That's not going to happen. Okay, no. so there are things that you need to do to stay on top of the game. Uh, the first thing is to uh, be familiar with what you have. Uh, be familiar with what you have. Be familiar with your with your carry gear. You know, you and I have talked, you know, until we're blue in the face about selecting a proper belt, selecting a proper holster, selecting the proper uh, magazine pouch or you know pouches. Um, being, mm-hmm. being able to, to wear your gear that the pistol should be comforting not necessarily comfortable um, everything that you choose is a compromise uh, in some shape, form or fashion whether you're, uh, whether you're sacrificing weight, whether you're sacrificing capacity, whether you're sacrificing caliber, everything's going to be a sacrifice and you have to decide for yourself which sacrifices that you're willing to make that's true um, do you still have your PM9?
0: No, I do not. Okay.
1: You turned me on to the PM9. I'd shot them before. You turned me on to the PM9. Uh, I uh, really loved the, uh, the smoothness of the trigger, not necessarily the, the length of trigger pull or the reset, but the overall smoothness of the trigger. And it was really a, a pioneering pistol of its time for the overall size.
0: It absolutely which, was, which
1: yeah. was a compromise. Okay, so
0: yeah, it was a compromise for sure.
1: So you see, people now they'll go out and so they've got a uh, they've got a Glock 43. Mm-hmm. Well, you know they came out with a 43X. I got to ditch the 43. I got to get the 43X. Oh, well they've got a 365 XL. I've got to drop. I've got to get rid of the 43X. Get the 365 XL. Uh, I, I, you know, always chasing you know the the, the newest and greatest l- looking for you know that that perfect carry gun and the perfect carry gun doesn't exist
0: well you're correct I, i'm first of all i'm really glad you brought up that point that is a tremendous point always chasing for the perfect gun and it doesn't exist
1: so once again you have to decide What's going to be beneficial for you? Which compromises that, that you're going to make? I like to uh, to do my dry fire with either a, a Glock pistol, the CAR PM9, yeah. or a revolver.
0: Now, John, since you brought up the CAR PM9, let me explain to my listeners who have been following me for a while. I owned that pistol for pretty close to 12 years. And there is only one reason why I switched from the Car PM9. Uh, I actually uh, sold it to somebody who really, really wanted it, and is probably enjoying it quite a bit right now. It it 85% funded the next gun, which I I, I went in favor of the Sig P365. And here's why: one simple reason. Same size gun, same almost the same weight, but five more rounds. And,
1: five more rounds now that that's one of the things that i want to talk about so you got five additional rounds in the pistol which mean it which it's a it's a really neat little gun Uh, i i I can't i can't disparage it one iota okay are you protected any better with those five extra rounds than you were with the pistol that held seven rounds
0: well, you, the answer is probably no. At the time, I thought it was a good idea, right? Famous last yeah, well, words. It may, it well, I thought a, it was a good idea at the time. Be, it may not
1: be a bad idea. Okay? It, <laughs> yeah. it, 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 and, yeah. and I'm sure that it probably isn't. But once again, when I said making personal choices, making informed cho- educated yeah. choices, educated um, choices, I I know that the, the, uh, the trigger on the 365 is uh, much lighter than that of the PM9, is it not? it is it is bet well it is John,
0: but let me tell you, you know, you mentioned it just a couple of minutes ago. the double action only trigger of a car p m nine is so incredibly smooth that it makes it so so much easier to shoot, so is the trigger on the p three sixty five better well, it depends on what you think is better because some people like the fact that a double action only is quote unquote you know safer I
1: guess. If you were going to, for whatever reason, throw that three sixty-five in a pocket without a holster, would it give you any reservations?
0: Three sixty-five in a pocket without any holster, I would never do that.
1: No. Okay. Would you feel the same way about the PM9? Uh,
0: yeah, I would never put any pistol in my pocket without a holster, because it's so easy to get pocket holsters. Well, they're not, exp- they're inexpensive and easy. Rule out
1: the pocket. In, if you're going to slip into your waistband, whatever else. Oh, you're talking about... For a true uh, NPE, non-permissive environment, hideout pistol, I, I okay. feel like you're best served. And once again, this is strictly my opinion. My opinion in nickel won't buy you a cup of coffee these days. But I yeah. like a true double-action trigger.
0: I'll give you that. I'll give you that. If I was going to put it inside the waistband, for example, with no holster, which I... I never suggest anybody do that on purpose, but if I had to pick between the p m nine and the p three sixty five which one would I use to put in my waistband without a holster yeah the car p m nine because
1: for example you know that um you know if, if there is a a definition and a label of a Glock fanboy that you can call me a Glock fanboy because i I really put a lot of um, a trust in in the Glock system Um, A Glock pistol is not a pistol that I'm going to kind of carry anywhere without some type of holster.
0: But there are such good holsters out there by so many good holster makers that are really not all that expensive anymore. I don't see any reason to put any pistol inside your waistband or your pocket without a holster.
1: And I would say the majority of the time, you're absolutely right. Yeah. But, you know... In the worst case scenario, zombie apocalypse. The the fascists have taken have taken over. You know the Nazis have reinvaded the earth from the dark side of the moon, and <laughs> and uh, you you get caught up and, and you're being shook down. And you manage to and this is silly of course. Okay, and maybe I'm being a little silly, but you know you're 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 being checked for your firearm and you've managed to get rid of the firearm, but you've still got a holster on you. Yeah. Okay. And like I said, it may, maybe it's kind of silly, but you know, um, sometimes I, I like to look at, at everything from the widest spectrum possible. Okay. Um, when it, anyway, when it comes to firearms, you, you've got to, to make up your your mind of of what you can use, what you want. You, you wouldn't uh, play around a round of golf with with. With one club, with a three iron. While you can drive with Correct. a three iron, you might be able to putt with a three iron, maybe. it, it, it wouldn't do any of the other jobs well. Okay. No, it and The same take, thing can be yeah, said you're of right. a, a, say a J frame. You know, it, it's got its niche where it, it works really well, and you, you take it outside of what it's good for, and and the the returns are diminishing. But one thing that you can do with a J frame that's harder to do with one of these automatic pistols is your dry fire practice
0: right that's correct
1: because the action you know resets itself every time you press the trigger this the cylinder turns the hammer is brought back the hammer is released and you're set up to do your next session of dry fire practice um you can do that with so with some other pistols uh, uh say a beretta 92 fs i mean when, when i was much younger than i am now gee whiz uh, the beretta was state-of-the-art do you remember <laughs> that bob when the beretta was state-of-the-art
0: uh, not quite that far yeah. back. I mean,
1: Every, you
0: know, I don't go quite that far back as you a, do. Everybody,
1: no. you know, wanted to have the same gun that Martin Riggs carried in Lethal Weapon. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, Mel Gibson did for the Beretta what, what uh, Clint Eastwood did for the Model 29. Um, the Cool thing about a Beretta or another double-action pistol, such as a SIG 226, a 228, 229, uh, you can practice a double-action trigger press, and it you know, it's self-resetting. Uh, now, can you dry fire practice with a, a Glock 17, a Glock 19, Glock 43, 43X? Yes, you can. Um, sure, you can. But you have to reset the action. Or if you can find uh, one of the uh, the dry fire trigger kits for uh, for a small, thing, small frame Glock, you can use it in a 26. You can use it in a 19. You can use it in a 17, a 23, 27, ad nauseum. For the small frame glock and it, it gives you a similar feel i don't know if you remember uh, mm-hmm. trying mine or not um, it gives you a similar feel of, of a regular trigger press for a glock but then when you release the trigger it resets
0: i do remember trying yours so is that something that you suggest practicing without ammo since that's the
1: topic of this episode
0: well i guess it all starts pretty much with practicing sight alignment and trigger press
1: right it, you're practicing you can go down, start from the ground up. You can practice your, your shooting position. You can pr-
0: presenting the
1: gun you, too. You can practice your presentation. Before you even get to your presentation, you can practice your grip.
0: Yep, that's yeah, right.
1: You practice. You can practice your your position. You can practice your grip. You can practice your draw stroke. You can practice your sight alignment, sight picture, your breath control, your trigger press, your reset or your follow through and your reset.
0: That's a lot of stuff right there. Let's get back to grip for a minute. I firmly believe that grip is as important, maybe even slightly more important
1: than your trigger press. Your grip and your position, yeah, you know, where is your hand on the gun? Right. Uh, that that makes yeah. such a huge deal and and even with live ammo, a a a poor grip will res- will have the, the uh, manifestation of poor results, whether whether it's poor function or poor accuracy from having a, a, a poor grip or, or your positioning on, on the pistol not being right.
0: And this is just something that's going to come from lots and lots of practice. You know, new shooters, there's a lot of new shooters listening to my show right now. The reason I know I get a lot of emails from them and. You and I both know you. We've seen new shooters out there at the range. God bless them. Got to love the new shooters. I I really appreciate it when people come in into this uh, shooting world and by choice and they do it for the first time. But sometimes their grip, grip is all messed up.
1: Very true. Very true. The grip is all messed up. Or um, and you've even done uh, even done. You have done on, on numerous occasions the uh, the Texas license to carry qualification.
0: Yeah, many, many times. I taught it for four
1: years. How many times did you see a new shooter wrap their support thumb behind the back of that slide?
0: Oh, my goodness. You know, I'm very – I've seen it a lot of times. And I'm very lucky I did not have any students slice their thumb wide open by doing that. Going back – How about you? Well,
1: I, I never saw someone that was seriously injured from that in one of my classes. But the first class that I attended to get my license back in, I think it was 1995, uh, was someone did that with the Beretta is one of the worst offenders for for that. Uh, a a Beretta will, will cut you deeply. If if you try to, to wrap your thumb, you know, uh, over the top and back of your, your shooting hand. Uh, and, and this guy did, he, he, he was done for the day. He had to go get stitches. Um, but, uh, it's
0: the kind of thing, kind of mistake that if somebody does it, they're only going to do it once, right?
1: You would like to think it's a self-correcting problem. Uh, I've I've only <laughs> heard of one where it was it it, it continued, and uh, they had to look at other uh, other avenues, uh, other uh, firearms that that the, uh, the that they they just could not grasp the the operation of a semi pistol.
0: So practicing the grip, you know, these days a lot of new shooters will come to your pawn shop, I bet. They'll come to your pawn shop, they'll find the gun, they'll pick up a box or two of ammo if you have it in stock. They'll go home and they'll throw the gun in the safe, they'll load it up, throw it in the safe, and never touch it again. Right?
1: I, su- I suppose that that still does happen. Uh, it I've I've uh, had customers come in that uh, had lost a loved one uh be it a, a spouse or a parent and and uh they were cleaning out the house and I I found this in my grandmother's uh nightstand drawer I found this in my father's sock drawer and you mm-hmm. know it had been purchased loaded stuck in a drawer and had never been picked up again
0: That's exactly what I'm talking about and so when when the time comes, we hope it never happens. But if the stink hits the fan and they got to use that pistol to defend their life, they're not going to know how to use it.
1: They won't even know how to grip it, which you know w- would be a, a huge problem. Uh, you know, one of the things that we used to bring up in a class was uh, there are times when the introduction of a firearm will cause more problems than it was meant to solve.
0: So you like to. Encourage people to practice their grip. One of the things I've always done is whatever pistol I want to train on at the time, I will take it out of my safe. I'll make sure that it's completely unloaded. I'll double check to make sure that it's completely unloaded. I'll go to a safe area where if some accident happened, my muzzle is pointed at something that uh, is, if it gets destroyed, it's not going to uh, to hurt anybody else. That's safe backstop. And a safe backstop and I will just practice presenting the pistol and then take my support hand off of it and then put it back on and take it off put it back on take it off uh, until I got the grip down the way I want and it just becomes I hate to use the word muscle memory but there's no better way to describe it it just becomes a reflexive action
1: I'm sure you've said this to to your students in, in the past and to your listeners But when you're doing dry practice, all ammunition is removed from the room that you're doing your your dry practice.
0: Yes, that's what I meant. I get out of the room. I go to a safe area where there's no ammunition in the room.
1: And another thing that I like to bring up is once you are done, Mm -hmm. you're done. Yeah, when you're done, you're done. That's right. Once you finished, you set it down wherever you're going to secure it go and do something else. Even if you just go fix a glass of ice water to break that cycle, to break that, to, to stop that, uh, that, um, what's, what's a good word for it? Uh, the st- stop, the mindset stop the mindset of what to you're stop doing. that string to, to, to break the loop that, yeah. Mm-hmm. what's I have, Heard from more than one person that, oh yeah, I, I was you know, working this. I, you know, I, I did. I removed the ammunition from the room. I, I did all this stuff, and all, all, everything was good. It's okay. Well, I'm done for the day. I went back and I, I loaded my pistol back up, and I pointed my pistol at the TV and pressed the trigger one more time. <laughs> oh my God! Okay. Yeah. Uh, and kaboom! Because, because in their mind, they had not finished that training session right and it, your mind would, will, will uh, you know it re, your mind's a computer I guess it, it's what I've heard in the past um, mm-hmm. and and so you've got to stop the program and, and people think that oh well I, I'll, I'll never do that I won't have that problem
0: no don't ever think don't that.
1: ever think that you're the one that won't have a problem
0: right that's dangerous that's when you have the problem
1: I mean, I know it could happen to me because I've been the guy that's walked around my entire house looking for my glasses and my keys. My glasses were on top of my head and my keys were in my hand.
0: Oh, I've done that so many times. It's unbelievable. So, that's just a problem of getting older, John.
1: <laughs> I guess that's what it is.
0: <laughs> yeah, just wait. Just wait a little while. So practicing, okay, practicing the grip, obviously practicing the gun presentation. I want to focus on that. You know, if somebody's a new well, even even those of us who are experienced, uh, I shouldn't just say new people. Draw that gun out of your holster and present it to the tar- to the target, practicing that, right?
1: Practice that? Yes, practice presenting that that muzzle towards your target in a straight line. Yep. Don't act like you're bowling. Don't act like or fishing. Or don't act like you're casting. One of the things I love about teaching the red dot on, on pistols is when when you're going from close contact ready you know where the yeah. pistol is level towards towards your target and you're presenting straight towards your target how when you begin to move forward your peripheral vision's already picking up your front sight as you're driving straight towards the target
0: yeah that's correct and i took your red dot course it's outstanding and and for people that have red dots on their guns you know john we shouldn't call them Red dots anymore, because green dots are becoming pretty popular as well. Oh. So why don't we call it an optic?
1: I still stick with red dot. Everyone knows everyone knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Just like well, when you have, have an on optic the, on every, your pistol, calls an, <laughs> the optic on on your pistol slide an RMR. Whether it's wh- whether true. it's a Burris, whether <laughs> it's a Loophole, whether it's a, uh, a Romeo, whether it's a, a Holosun, they call they call them all RMRs, even though Trichicon makes the RMR.
0: Just like they call the uh, documents coming out of your copy, the copier, they call them Xerox copies. Right, right. Um, yeah, but anyway, okay. So, so if you have an optic on your gun, what should you practice?
1: You should really practice your presentation. That's one thing yeah. that that optic on your slide will help you perfect is your presentation. And you can That's you, true. you can test yourself once once you've gotten uh, very very reliable and smooth with with uh with driving that pistol straight towards your target picking up your sights as you're coming on target and there your red dot is each time that you do that or your dot period like you said uh you know if, if it's one of my uh my dual illuminated rmrs it's green you're right okay mm-hmm. but you can take an lower the light in the room where you're practicing and do it again and see if as soon as as you come online will you at full presentation can you see your optic can you see the reticle on your optic can you see the dot yeah because if you can't then your presentation wasn't right
0: you got to keep practicing the, you
1: know it's it's you know super important to have the co-witness sights on a pistol that has the optic on it, and, and because it, it, you do that visual handoff from your irons to your dot. Right. Okay. So if you're bowling, or casting, you find yourself at, at the end of the draw stroke trying to find your irons or trying to find your dot. So if, if you practice right. that presentation. You 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 learn that it looks a certain way it feels a certain way and if it doesn't feel right then it's not right
0: and if you can't see the dot it's not exactly
1: right. if you can't see the dot it's not you right you
0: did something wrong if you can't see the dot but
1: i I love doing the, the dry practice with the dot i I, I find that it it, it helps me immensely um that you know, i I don't get to the end of my draw stroke and go, oh where you know, where's my dot well, you know, i I know exactly where it's at mhm And it's something that you can do. You you can practice that over and over, practicing it correctly. If you practice it 100 times wrong, you're still wrong.
0: That's correct. Okay. Practice does not make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. That's correct.
1: Um, And it goes so 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 many different things. It goes for swinging a baseball bat. It goes for swinging a golf club. It it goes for, you know, uh, working technical trails on your mountain bike. Mm. I've had to to, to relearn how to ride a motorcycle after playing on dirt bikes for years Um, it's kind of funny that uh, one of my oldest and dearest friends he's more like a brother than a friend uh, decided that not only was he going to attend the course but I was going to attend the course with him and (laughs) and that, that was a lot of fun but one of the things that was really fun was that the instructor early on he asked if anybody had any experience in teaching I said Well, I've got a little bit, and uh, Mm -hmm. during the first break, we had a conversation, and uh, and so he uh, asked me several times about his presentation or uh, uh, his presentation or the terms he was using, what have you, and and uh, and it just it it made it uh, eye opening for me that teaching is teaching. It doesn't matter if you're teaching someone how to how to make the perfect cake or pie, or if you're teaching them how to shoot, if you're teaching them how to uh, to work their draw stroke, if you're teaching them how to uh, clear a room, teaching is teaching. And, and, it sure is. And, There's
0: a lot of common denominators.
1: And communication is the key. If, if you cannot communicate with the person that you're trying to impart knowledge, then you're wasting your time. That's true. So uh, we've talked about uh, the grip is one of the easiest things to practice, you know, on, on in, in your grip is not going to be exactly the same on every pistol. You, you, uh, you know, when, when I'm shooting a, a SIG pistol, traditional SIG, double action uh, pistol, mm-hmm. rarely does my slide lock to the rear on live ammo because mm-hmm. of the placement of the slide stop on the SIG my shooting thumb tends to gravitate towards being on top of it so i don't rely on that slide stop to work so if i press that trigger and i get a click what do you think i do bob
0: well you're gonna tap and rack exactly and keep on going i'm
1: gonna tap and rack and if i rack that pistol and the slide locks to the rear when i rack it what do i do next
0: you're clearing the mouth i rip
1: that magazine out insert a new magazine at the back of that slide, rip it, let go, and back on the target.
0: And all this can be practiced uh, dry fire as well.
1: Exactly. And, and I'm not one that uh, reloads are important. Okay. It's number one, they're important because if you do have a malfunction, sometimes the only way you're going to fix that malfunction is to unload the pistol and reload it. Worst case scenario, right? Unless, well, yes. worst case scenario is you have a major parts breakage and your pistol is not going to work. You better have a plan B. But uh, yes, you can practice immediate action with no ammo. Yes, you can. You can practice immediate action using uh, those uh, practice magazines, those weighted plastic magazines that have no follower.
0: Yeah, or you can also do it with dummy rounds. You can too. do it with
1: dummy rounds as well. Make sure that your dummy rounds are in fact dummy rounds.
0: Well, and even if you do verify that they're dummy rounds, remember the safety procedures of being in a place where no one's going to get hurt and there's no other ammo other than your dummy rounds in the room.
1: Agree wholeheartedly. I've got some. I don't even know who the manufacturer is. That uh, you have a nickel case. You have an orange plastic projectile in, in the uh, that's loaded into the, the case, and you've got a fake orange primer. Uh, and the idea by being behind having that primer in the primer pocket is it cushions your firing pin. Uh, when
0: you, I think I've got about a dozen of those, and
1: they work really well. And then I've got some other some others that are one piece of aluminum. They're machined out. They're painted like a reddish maroon, and they've got they've maroon, got some yeah. type of palmer in the primer pocket that again it uh, will cushion the firing pin. And then you've got snap caps, which I understand now there's a shortage on those, like the, uh, I don't know if they still use the same end, those pac Pacmar, uh, Pac-Mar uh, snap caps. They've got- the, Really? Yeah,
0: they, there's a shortage on those?
1: I've, I've had people been looking for them for several weeks now. Um, wow. I don't know if they've just fallen out of favor, if they're hard to find, if they're not being produced, I don't know what the deal is, but those were actually uh, snap caps instead of being dummy rounds. They were designed to uh, prove your action. Oh, okay. okay. Um, I would not treat them with the same abandon that I would dummy rounds.
0: No. You drop them
1: on concrete no, enough, I you're going to crack them, break them, what have you. But if you ever looked at those things, they were really neat with the way they're manufactured with with the uh, brass uh, primer pocket primer and the spring in there and all that jazz. Um whole idea being is you're protecting, your your firing pin right now i have seen uh some glock pistols pictures of these pistols where uh, they've done i mean I, I couldn't imagine the number of dry fires they did where they end up peening the inside of the breech face and eventually causing it to come brittle and break i i have no idea right. how many rounds it would take to do that but i do I, yeah, I, don't either. I do know that using a snap cap would probably prevent that from happening or, or, yeah, or probably using would. A, a dry fire trigger kit. The cool thing about the dry fire trigger kit is once it's installed, the pistol cannot fire live ammo, period, until you take it out and put an actual live trigger system back in.
0: That is true. That is. John, you know what? Um, I think for this week's episode, this is a good stopping point, but we got more to talk about. And so I want to let everybody know that. For all the people who support this show, and thank you very much if you buy a membership to our Shooters Club or if you're one of my Patreon members, you're going to get the second half of this. I'm going to post it in about five days from when this podcast releases. So be looking for that. So we got more to talk about on this, don't we, Jeff? Yes, we do. Um, before we sign off and do the uh, the Shooters Club or Patreon portion... Of this any final thoughts you want to leave with the listeners.
1: I do indeed Um, You know, there are times where uh, carrying a handgun just won't be practical. There's places now that I can't carry a handgun uh, Because I'm a licensed to carry citizen where before I could carry just about anywhere as a peace officer Uh, There's places I couldn't carry as a peace officer such as uh, federal buildings uh, VA federal courtroom stuff like that. Okay, Uh, I am hosting Tom Sotis uh September and eight, 18th and 19th in Orange yeah. Texas uh with a mock and that's edged weapon combatives now what's neat about that is it doesn't have to be an edged weapon these some of these techniques are techniques you can use with a ballpoint pen you can use, mm. you can use with uh anything you know, a wooden dowel uh, Phillips head screwdriver you know, your imagination can run can run the gambit. You know, your imagination is is the limit of of what you can use uh, other than a knife for a lot of these techniques. Um, and this is based on recognizing a threat, intercepting the attack, accessing while under attack, uh, but gives you ways to defend yourself without having firearms.
0: And where can people find out about this class and get signed up for it? They
1: can go to uh, my Facebook page, to Payne Defense Academy's Facebook page, Ray's Pawn Shop Facebook page, or a mock has already, uh, Tom Sotis has already created an event on Facebook. Uh, They can contact me at Ray's Pawn Shop. It's $175 for two four-hour sessions at, at the Orange Gun Club. I realize September is hot. That's why we have two air conditioners in the building we're going to be using. One in the front, one in the back. <laughs> That's great. Um, <correct. laughs> we, we're taking up to, I believe, 25 students. And okay. And it is uh, eye-opening information. We've even done classes with Tom called Fusing the Knife and Pistol.
0: So I'm going to put links to the, in the show notes to Ray's Pawn Shop to Amok and Pain Defense Academy so that people can easily find it. And good stuff, John. And the only
1: thing they're required to bring is in this detailed in the event, but you need eye protection. Uh, uh, Mouthpiece would not be a bad idea. And uh, they talk about uh, making homemade wrist guards or what have you, but uh, the the equipment that you need to, to train for this is minimal. And we supply all of the training blades.
0: Okay, good.
1: John, thanks
0: for coming on. I am going to... Call you back in a couple of minutes, and we're going to do the uh, Shooters Club Patreon addition to this. How's that? That
1: sounds great. And, Paul, you know, you really should put this down somewhere in your show notes history that this is the first episode I've never said the word absolutely.
0: <laughs> I'm glad you threw that in there. Thanks, brother. You <laughs> you have a good rest of the day. Yeah. That was a good laugh. You too, sir. Thanks a All lot. Right. All right. Bye. Many thanks, John. Very good stuff. Check out his website, PayneDefenseAcademy.com. Check out Ray's Pawn Shop in Bridge City, Texas. And you can also uh, find out all about John Payne on his website and his background. John's taught a lot of really high-level shooting classes. He knows what he's talking about. And he, John was one of my earliest mentors in the shooting world. If you guys remember, uh, I I spent some time teaching with Suarez International, and also I'm a big John Payne fan because he is one of the best instructors that I know, been a long time law enforcement officer, and now in business for himself, and it's really good to see. So John, I know you're listening. Thanks again for your time. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. And uh, I hope I can drive some more business your way, especially with the upcoming knife class that Tom Sotis is teaching with Amok. Check that out at paindefenseacademy.com. So if you have any comments or questions, my voicemail is available 210-646-1727. Once again, that's area code 210-646-1727. On Facebook, Twitter, and and MeWe, I put a post for every podcast that goes out there. You can check me out on social media, my YouTube channel. Search Handgun World on YouTube or go to the show notes and you'll find a direct link. For all of you Shooters Club members, there's a new video that Ben Branham and I have just put up on the 5x5x5 drill. I think you're going to find that very informative plus about 87 or 88 other videos and about a dozen custom audio podcasts that we don't release anywhere else. And last but not least, give me a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts if that's how you listen to this show. That's it. I appreciate you tuning in. You just listened to another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. I'm Bob Main. I just want to remind you, shoot straight, shoot safe, read your Bible every day,